Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thanks for joining me. You know, this is my favorite show to do. Actually, every show is my favorite show to do <laughs> because I get to have the most wonderful guests. And on The Love Code, we're talking about all things spiritual. And if you have been listening, you know I have spiritual teachers. I have people who are on different spiritual paths, people who have different spiritual experiences. It's such an inspiring opportunity to really appreciate the fact that we are much more than what we think. We're much more than just our physical selves. Life is much more than just getting up and going to work and raising a family and then looking forward to retirement. <laughs> um, so on the Love Code, we actually are um, having opportunities to really be inspired and to remember of the profound potential we have and to reconnect with the greater spiritual dimension that we all live in. So having said that, we're going to have a fantastic conversation today with my guest, Leslie Langani, who is a, a very gifted medium. In fact, we're talking about experiences of a medium who's talking with others on the other side. And um, uh, I, I just want to say, I, I could make the title of the show, the title of Leslie's brand new book called They Can Hear You, How the Dead Taught Me to Live. I love that title. So uh, we're going to have a fascinating conversation. If you have never had an experience of a true talented medium, then um, stay tuned because uh, Leslie has so much to share. And I just want to say, if you've been listening to my show recently, I had Reverend Karen Herrick on the show. And Karen is a, a therapist who has been exploring the paranormal. And she has um, also a path of helping people resolve grief. Her passion really is to support the the understanding that just because the person is no longer in the physical, that they are still present. They're still here, but in another another frequency, you might say. And so by doing that, she's helping people to heal the grief because they have an experience that we are still connected. And so it was through Karen's work and the fascinating conversation I had with Karen that she introduced me to Leslie. I asked her who was one of her favorite mediums because I thought it would be a, a most fascinating conversation to have. And that's how I was led to Leslie. Or maybe Leslie will say that's how the spirits led me to Leslie. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. However, it worked out. But I'm just so pleased that Leslie is here with us today. So let me just introduce a little bit about Leslie's background. Leslie has over 25 years of experience working as a medium intuitive. She has done countless readings locally and abroad, connecting with those on the other side. She also uses the tarot to give insight and guidance for those in need. The paranormal is her passion. She currently investigates private homes, businesses, and historical sites. Leslie also utilizes her expertise as a consultant to many prominent paranormal investigative groups. She is available for group, for private readings, for group events, workshops, and speaking engagements. And as I said just a little bit ago, she is the author of her brand new book, which is available on her website, They Can Hear You, How the Dead Taught Me to Live. 
And Leslie's website is Leslie Lagani. It's L-E-S-L-I-E-L-A-G-A-N-I, Lagani.com. And I'll get that again at the end of the show. So um, it's my great pleasure to welcome Leslie to The Love Code. Leslie, thank you for coming, and it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate this. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I I don't do too many of these, so when I do them, it's exciting to me, and I always like to connect with people of like mind. Well, um, well, I'm glad that you were available and that uh, you've been so gracious in giving your time, and uh, and I, I hope you'll be doing more of these because you have a book to promote. <laughs> we want to get you out there. You have important work, right? Um, you know. I, I would like to start off these conversations for people giving their story. Yeah, just people have such fascinating stories, and I was mentioning this to you before the show, and, and I've been asking people to share their own personal journey through life. What was it that inspired them or what happened to them that changed the trajectory in some cases to really fulfill a greater purpose? So I'm really curious, Leslie, you know, um, you know, tell us a bit about yourself and your journey that led you to this work. You know, um, yeah, it, it's been a crazy ride, I'll tell you that. I, um, from, from a very young age, I always felt uh, spirit around me. I always felt, felt like there was something there, but I was very fearful as a child. I, I had two teddy bears, not one, two at night, and I would kind of cover myself up and kind of um, kind of pretend that I was, like, hiding. And I kind of um, – this was in the 70s, and, and basically at that time it wasn't as um, mediumship and dealing with spirit and all as, as, as common. And so I kind of shelved any of my feelings or abilities until I got older – and then, um, but I always kind of read a lot and researched a lot, and I self-taught myself the tarot, and I just really immersed myself in my spiritual journey for many years. And then when I think, I think it was about 1998 or 99, I joined a paranormal uh, investigative group called South Jersey Ghost Research. And so um, I just loved it. It was like, that was my life. Like, that was my social life. That was my, my everything. I, every week I'd be going on cases. Um We'd go to private homes. We'd try to help folks. The more I dealt with spirit, the more intrigued I became and the more I kind of honed my abilities. So in other words, I always say, when people ask me all the time how I started doing this, I would say, I, I, they picked me. I think those on the other side picked me to talk for them. And it's because I think I was so committed and I was so dedicated to really helping them, not only helping the people here in the work, but also helping those on the other side. And that's how I always approach my work, that I realized that it's it's great for someone here to have a mediumship reading for the healing, but it also benefits them as well because it gets their message out and it gets, um, you know, their agenda going too. So, um, so basically I would say just by doing a lot of investigations and dealing with spirit like every weekend and, um, and just really kind of dedicating myself, um, I guess I earned their trust. So was this a gift in your family? Does anyone else in your family have this ability? You know, that, that, yes. And what's funny about that 
is that I am, I think, the first one to actually use it professionally and and kind of be out in the open with it. Um, my my, I think my mom is into it. My sister, um, I think that um, it's a funny story. My aunt, um, who has since passed, and and her daughter, my cousin. Um, I remember years ago, uh, I would talk to them a little bit about what I was doing. And they would just kind of smile and nod, and you know, and we would have conversations. And they'd they'd be nice about it, but I, I would always 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 think, oh, you know, they're just being polite and whatever. But eventually, eventually, my aunt said to me, you know, yeah, I've always had dreams. I've always kind of seen this and felt that. I'm mean, yeah, your cousin too, and all these. I was thinking, why didn't you guys tell me this sooner? Like, I, it was kind of funny because, I guess, because they saw that. I was helping people and it was a good thing and they got comfortable with it. I was so happy that they finally said that, you know, they had the same feelings or the same experiences. And um, so, yes, I do think it it runs in my family most definitely. Yeah. I've also thought that um, for uh, people who have that ability that you would call it another sense, so to speak, um, that it that it tends to run in families. You know, when I talk to people, they would say that you know their grandmother had that ability, or their mother, you know, somewhere in their family lineage, it it did that ability was present. And uh, it's interesting that that's also true for you. That you know, so whether that's you know whether it's family groups coming in, whether it's uh, some sort of DNA transmission, it's it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? It is. It's actually, you know, but I also want to say, I always tell people, though, that we all, everybody has the ability. Everybody does. I think, you know, some people might have a little bit stronger antenna, as I say, than others, but that that doesn't mean that you can't um, develop it or or work at it. Um, and so I always say to people, yeah, what I do, everybody, everybody gets signs and feelings from spirit and people that they loved. And um, it's just that, yeah, sometimes you have to work to make it a little bit stronger. But I, you know, but I, but I do always encourage people to do that, though, because I think it's it's important to realize that we still have that love and support around us. So was there a turning point from being that scared little girl to realizing that this was, first of all, a gift? And that the communications that you were able to have on what we would call the other side, which is probably not the best way to describe it, but that's how we talk about it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Was was a um, was a was a gift, and actually was a means of being in service to others. What what what, what you know? When did that happen? That that all turned around for you from being sure. fearful to accepting that gift. You know what's funny is that, yes, I, it was a process. I would say I was in my 30s, I think. I, years, when I, I worked in social work for many years, and um, I used to take lunch break at a, a park nearby, and I decided I was going to try my hand at automatic writing, um, which was, I would just sit there, eat my lunch, do it, which means you kind of just would have a pad there and whatever came to you, whatever you would write it down and just kind of connect with spirit that way. And I found that, that that was working well for me. And I decided I, and I had a, uh, a coworker who had lost someone in her family. And it was weird because I was sitting there and all of a sudden I was getting information. I'm going, Oh, I think this connects with my coworker, right? 
So I went back and I talked to her, and she, sure enough, she resonated with the information. Um, and then I started kind of seeing clients at that point. The only tough part was that um, for me, it was a very emotional experience. Um, it was it was a very intense experience. I I did some readings. I did it for a little bit, and I had to back off of it because I think timing wise, I wasn't quite able to deal with the level of intensity or know how to deal with it yet. It wasn't a fear thing, but it was just more of a, I really wanted to make sure that I was ready to really do what I needed to do for me and also for my clients. So I did that for a little bit, and then I kind of backed off. Then I then then that's when I started doing the paranormal investigating, and that actually helped me with the fear because if you're going into places, my first investigation was uh, the Burlington County Prison Museum, which was this um, really old building that we – you know, we all went in at night. The investigation, I think, was maybe from 10, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And we go in. They turn out all the lights. They There's an old-fashioned door that they had. They turned these cranks and everything. They locked everything so the media wouldn't be able to get in or anything else. And so when you're put in a position where you're locked in this building, there's no power, you don't know, you know, I hardly knew the group or anybody in the group. This is my first investigation. Um, I had to get over the fear fast. What happened was is my sense of curiosity and and seeing what could happen kind of took over more than my fear. And that was my turning point. When I realized I was like, ooh, I'm doing this is what I'm here to do. This is this I got so jazzed up and so into this. I remember the director Dave said at the end of the night, he said my first one, he says, Oh yeah, you'll be back. You'll definitely be back. I could tell. <laughs> because some people, they got so scared they never returned or they never wanted to do it again. But um, I, I guess that was my turning point because it was a good time, and, and we got a lot of good evidence that night. So uh, I have to ask, what, what happened that night? Who did you or who did you connect with or what did you connect with at that old jail? <laughs> I'm sure there yeah. was spirits around there. Oh, yeah, there is. It really was. Um, I – picked up on a lot of energies there. Um, there were a lot of different voices. There was a lot of different things. There was some very, um, believe it or not, there was friendly voices, but there were also very negative voices. I remember I took pictures of um, these footprints on the floor. There had been some construction or modeling done, and that white powder settled on the floors. And I actually found what it looked like was bare footprints by the men's shower. That hadn't been used, obviously, in like, I don't know, 100-something years. And, but, yeah, you could clearly see these bare footprints in, in the, the, uh, the white powder from the, from the walls or on the floor. And I took pictures of that. And so we had, and we had EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomena. Um, but I personally picked up one um, in the courtyard behind the building is where they actually did, um, at that time, they hung people for various uh, uh, infractions and whatnot. And um, I remember picking up a lot around the gallows area. And that I can only, yeah. I was able to stay there like a short amount of time, little small stints because it was really so intense. Um, but I remember hearing somebody praying. I remember hearing a man's voice saying the Lord's Prayer very low. And then, and then you heard the whole concept of, I guess when they knock out whatever it is underneath and you hear that, you know, the whole thing. And it, it was intense. It was intense. But I did feel that even though that energy 
went through that experience and whatnot, um, there was no malice there from that person. His message was that I don't hold, I, I let this all go. I was like, whoa, that's, that's, that's fantastic. You know, it's like, it was a lot of, um, a bunch of different little vignettes or different, um, stories that were kind of surprising in certain ways. Cause some of it was, yeah, you wouldn't think you would go to an old prison where all this happened, where it was seen very harsh and whatever, but yet there was a lot of positivity to it. Now, when you do those things, or, 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 if, you, or if you do them now, um, are these, and we're going into what actually you are experiencing from these, you know, impressions or these words. What is, what is this? But, um, I'll preempt that by just asking, do you, do you help these beings to leave this dimension and, and be released, so to speak, so they're no longer attached to that physical environment and experience? Yes, I have. I have done what they call spirit rescue, um, which is yeah, helping people cross, helping people find the light or to kind of, um, it, it, you know, what's interesting, I always say when we're here on this plane, we have free will, okay? When you cross over, you maintain that free will. And to give you an example, I had a case one time where I connected, uh, it was an apartment actually, this was, this was uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Um, I went with a friend of mine in the group, and there was a gentleman who had been um, kind of haunting this apartment. And my my job a lot of time was to go into a, a space or home and figure out what's going on there, okay? Like, is there something there? And if so, what's their issue? What do they need to be heard? And this particular man um, had been there for quite a while, and he basically wasn't going to cross. He basically told me he was in a war. He was in the war. He killed people. He knew he was going to go to hell. He knew he was going to be judged. I, he said, I'm not going. Okay? Hmm. And so what we had to do through the night is kind of almost like, you know how people get counseling here? It's the same thing. Yeah. So I had, it really is awesome. I had to say, okay, well, let's talk about that. Or or what are your real, you know, like, what are your beliefs on that? And, and why, and, and I kind of had to kind of um, also um, kind of guide him a little bit about, really what's going to happen and all these, you know, from my experience and that I say, well, in my experience, there's, there's not that judgment and all these different things. So it's kind of like you, you help and counsel that spirit to kind of give it a shot or give it a try. And and he did wind up crossing and, and it really was um, a fantastic thing to be able to help him with that. Uh, I've done that also uh, in other locations where um, we have one cemetery down here that has a lot of activity and we did come across a very negative male spirit that was there uh in the cemetery and but he was more um negative and more confrontational um but we there was a, a young lady connected to him that i do believe uh he took her life and he uh kind of messed with us through this whole process but we were able to help her cross over which was great. So it just comes down to if if the same as here, if the person, the spirit is is responsive and they're willing to work with you and they're willing to um to to yeah to listen and to receive that help, you really can make a big difference. You really can. But if they're not, that then you pretty much can't yeah you can't do much there at all. 
very interesting. So that leads us to this very fascinating subject. I think it's a fascinating subject of um, what happens when we die. So, so what I mean, you know, you help people. You help. I'm sure you help people transition. You help people who have lost family members or friends or you know various uh, mm-hmm. connections, situations to uh, to communicate. And uh, I guess you you know it's like a two way street, right? People on this side needing to understand or resolve, and maybe those on the other side needing it as well. So. Uh, I, tell mm-hmm. us about this experience because I, you know, I've only seen it from movies, Leslie. <laughs> Help oh. us understand. <laughs> oh, you mean like you mean like how the mediumship rolls? As well, how, how it rolls, like, and, how and, and 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 the and you know the work that you actually do when you are helping someone who has sure. either I, I don't know is it, it you know is it someone who wants to communicate with a loved one is it someone who has left that wants to communicate with someone here how does how does that work and what is your yeah. understanding of this so there is you know what's interesting about mediumship is it's, it's very diverse there's I do how can I say this is making me trouble only because it's like uh, every day is an adventure okay in the sense of some some readings are pretty straightforward. I do have people that come to me that are, are, are in a good space. They're actually just very spiritual people. They want to see, you know, if their mom and dad are okay and people like that. And they're kind of like, they're really nice, feel-good, light readings that I think people just need that. Um, let's say they're already talking to their loved ones. They get signs. They just want somebody to validate some of the stuff that they're getting. And that makes them feel, you know, like, like, hey, you know, I am really connecting, you know. And, and so I, I do, I do that work, which is fantastic. I also do work that's a little bit heavier. I've had people come to me. Um, a lot of work that I do is people that pass suddenly. So in other words, um, I have a lot of parents, unfortunately, that come to me that lose children. Um, of all different ages and sometimes, you know, uh, teenagers that pass in vehicle accidents and, and things like that or, or, or drug overdoses and stuff. Um, a lot of it when parents come to me, obviously they want to know that their son or daughter is okay. Um, but sometimes, you know, uh, getting closure, like if you lose someone suddenly, let's say I, I've done cases with murders as well. And when you, when you lose someone like that and there's a whole host of stuff that comes in, which is survivor's guilt, which is um, maybe I should have. I had one mom recently that whose son passed from an overdose, and normally every morning she would wake him up at 5.30 to go to work. But for some reason or other that morning, she didn't do that. She got onto something else, and she said, maybe if I would have woke up and talked to him at that point, I, maybe I would have been able to save him, you know, things like that. And so um, I I – and kind of, how could I say, every session is unique, and every session is, I, ha- I have to kind of roll with what is evolving. And so it's almost kind of like a, a working document. I'll say it that way. It's, it's you never know how, how the session is going to roll. And so um, I have had um, some stuff come out in readings that people didn't even know. Sometimes people pass and they don't know. And all of a sudden we're talking to someone, and you're like, yeah, but – this sounds like so and so, but I don't know. I have I lost contact with them, and then they they eventually will send me feedback saying, "Oh yeah, so and so did die," <laughs> you know. Or um, one of the most interesting things that I get occasionally is that when someone, let's say, is in a coma, 
or has uh, Alzheimer's or dementia and really is very disassociative with themselves or, you know, that awareness, believe it or not, people can, um, I have connected with people on that level. Here I am thinking this person has passed, but as I go further through it, I start to realize that when we are in a, a, a space like that, let's say you're in a coma, like a medical-induced coma, your your spirit body is kind of loosens a little bit from you, okay? Like it's almost like you have one foot here and one foot there a little bit. And so mm -hmm. those folks can also communicate through a medium, which I know sounds crazy, but I've had that experience. And I've had people, like I said, that when they have major dementia, you're also loosened a little bit from this plane, okay? And so what happens is I had one reading one time where I was communicating with a woman who did cross. It was a mom, but she actually was helping me connect with her daughter who couldn't express herself here to her family. Who I know that's going to sound – I know it's a little confusing, but uh, it's amazing how there's a level of teamwork between – like yeah, I could say this to you too on the other side – there is no separation in spirit. Everybody everybody works as a whole. Like if I was doing a mediumship for you, let's say, okay, and, and if I was to say to my family, okay, go help her family come through, they would do that. And my mm -hmm. family don't know your family, but I get mm -hmm. that often in group mediumship where I will have a, a mom or dad come through and say, oh, I'm going to help her aunt come through because she's having a hard time. So it's kind of um, – I know. You even need hours for me to really explain to you all the complexities of the other side and mm -hmm. how we interconnect and all that. But my work basically is to um, – it's a little bit of it, – it's definitely a lot of spirit communication, but it's also a little bit of life coaching. It's a little bit of – and I can't say I'm a therapist by no means because I can't say that, but, but it is sometimes people will come to me and I will have to – give them, you know, and say, you should see a counselor or you should, you know, so sometimes that's how I, with Karen, I think that's how we became to work together. And it's like, so um, it's about getting people the help that they need in any way, shape, or form. That's kind of how I work. So it's really actually so, um, crazy busy. Oh, I was just going to ask you real quick, but I, I, wanna, I want you to talk more about what you're learning as far as what death really is and the reality okay. of there is no death. But, but before we go there, I'm just really curious, like in that experience, you said you had a, a helping someone, as an example, in a coma. Um, mm -hmm. What, 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 can, can you share what the communication was with that person in the coma, what they wanted to say or what they needed to learn or whatever? So, so whatever. what happened was the person, the person was injured suddenly and had to be put into that. So they never had the ability to voice what their, uh, like, uh, how their, their their arrangement should be, or how this particular man that, it was a gentleman, he was a very practical man. So he never got to talk about, to say goodbye to his family. He never got to talk about, um, you know, cremate me, it's cheaper, which is funny, he did say that. But that's, <laughs> but it's like he, had a sense of humor, real sense of humor. So it's almost like kind of, it's very similar to spirit communication, but it's almost like it's having, again, that closure of just saying that 
I'm still here. Like, I can hear you. That was the other big thing he wanted his family to know. They would, everybody kept being with him and, and, you know, saying what they, and it's like, but again, it would be great if they knew that he was actually absorbing and hearing what they were saying. And he kept saying, he knew exactly who was in the room, when they were in the room, when they left the room, who was in the hallway, all that. And that's because when we have, um, out-of-body experiences, which is similar to that, you become more hyper-vigilant and hyper-aware of your environment, okay, because now you're in spirit. Now you can, can hear, you know, the fly on the wall, okay? So he was he was very um, – but his big thing was just to say that he was appreciative of all the support. He knew that they were there, you know, and also people will start to connect with those on the other side, too, and you'll often hear that through, you know, when people are in hospice, they'll mention seeing their loved ones and stuff. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Whenever we loosen from our physical body, we automatically start interacting with spirit because spirit is never far away. People think, oh, the other side is over the, you know, in the clouds far away, whatever. No, it's very loosely layered over our dimension. So they're never far. Yeah. And, and thanks for sharing that because um – it's so important to remember that if someone is unconscious in some way, in a coma, in mm-hmm. a reduced coma, just some, you know, not able to communicate for whatever reason, they are still conscious and aware and, you know, taking in the communications, the information on some level. So, yeah. and that's important because you never want to be talking about that person. You want to be talking to that person in that, in those circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. You, you want to include them. Exactly. Like they're still here. Like they're still a part of. And you know what, what's interesting about that too is we could say that about spirit as well. People that are on the other side. They, when we have, let's say get togethers or holidays and we sit around and we talk about them and we laugh and we talk about the funny stories and stuff like that, you can bet you they're right next to you laughing and being, that pulls them in like there's no tomorrow. Because just like, Anything else, we all want to be acknowledged. We all want to feel connected. And that's their their goal for us is for us to feel that way, too. You know, which yeah. is why they're always, yeah. Well, from from this amazing work that you are doing, well, can we talk about this experience of death? And, um, you know, we have, we have this conversation with Karen. Actually, I've had it with other guests, too, because I find it, such a fascinating conversation, uh, primarily because in our culture, and I think um, most Western cultures, maybe more than that, but certainly Western cultures, it's the big mystery. We have so much wisdom about so many things, you know, understanding of spirituality and so many levels, uh, but the great mystery and the great fear that still haunts people is death and dying. And yeah. uh, and and because we have this fear of death and dying or it lights out or however people experience it or hell, however people have been taught to believe, um, we carry this fear and many of our perceptions, our choices in life are based on fear, on this fear of dying. And mm-hmm. I mean, we could just, to be honest, see it during this whole last two years, a lot of decisions 
to um, get jabbed or not get jabbed was very much driven by conscious or unconscious fear of death, right? So we need to protect ourselves. If we don't have that fear, we may have made other decisions or we will make other decisions in life if we don't operate from that clinging to life (laughs) at all costs perception. So to help us, Leslie, this is your work and, and you experience the reality of there is no death as these souls transition. But help help those on this side to really get a a, a, a more profound understanding of this mystery of life. Sure. You know, one of the one of the biggest things um I can say is that I mean fear is a very natural thing because it's fear of the unknown, right? But in actuality, if we talk in a little bit of a uh, deeper spiritual level, I think we all have a higher self. I think we all come from the other side. Where the folks are that we lose, we go back there when we pass. So this, And that's where we come from when we come into this lifetime. So we on a higher self level actually remember home. And so when we cross over to there, you go home. It's as simple as that. You go home. And that home is a place of pure love and light. You go back into energy, and any physical illness or addictions or or um, any negative stuff that's attributed to, like, the physical shell, the physical body, all drops off, all drops off. And so you you cross, and then, you know, it's funny. I always – people think that you're going to cross, and you're going to be at peace, and you're going to rest, and it's like, you know, you're on that, that cloud playing the harp. Well, to be honest with you, heck no. You're, you never stop growing and learning. You're going to cross, and you're going to have your life review, which everyone has, and you're going to go through, and you're, it's kind of like a self-evaluation process of kind of how did I do? Could I have done this different? Could I have – and any and any person, I'll say it this way, people worry about uh, being judged or, or, or um, you know, something punitive happened if they did what they would say, oh, I did bad things or whatever, right? I think that – from what I've been shown and what I've heard is that in your life review, if you really, let's say, bullied someone or you hurt someone, you're going to witness that event, but not only are you going to witness that event again and you're going to see it, you're going to feel what that person felt, okay? And it's not to be punitive. It's not to be, oh, that's your punishment. It's not that at all. You're feeling that. So you can really go, ooh, that's not, that was not how that was supposed to roll. That was not what I was supposed to. So then this way, you will never do that again. So if you decide to come back for another go-around, which I firmly believe in, I, I, they've shown me many times that we do have these lifetimes, it's, if you think about how, how quick time goes in a lifetime and you have so much you want to learn and so much you want to do and so much you want to evolve, one lifetime is like a little blip, you know. But I would say that in my sense of things, I've never seen – um, I don't believe that there's any harsh judgment. I don't believe any of that. I think you just, it's just a sense of love and light that you go back into and you keep growing and learning. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then you decide whether you want to come back around or if you want to stay over there. Do, there's, there's really, um, not a lot of rules there. It, it's more of the other side. People say to me all the time, they say, what is heaven like? What is that? What, it's what you make it. There was a movie many years ago with Robin Williams. It was called, I think it was called When Dreams May Come. Are you familiar with that movie mm-hmm. at all? 
Yeah, oh. I was just thinking of that movie I know. <laughs> when yeah. you were talking. And I was going to yeah, thank God. My, I was, that movie is so spot on, it's crazy. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not too familiar who wrote it or whatever, but maybe, I don't know whether they had a near-death experience or whatever they wrote it, but it's like it's really very spot on in the sense of what you visualize is what you create. Now, in that movie, his wife, if you remember that one part where she was stuck in that really nasty place and she couldn't get out of it and she was all, and he kept saying to her, no, just think differently, just whatever. So what I would say is, on the other side, yeah, if if you – the near-death experiences that I've heard about and whatnot that were negative, okay, were basically because the person went into it with that fear and that and they needed to have that experience. But it usually always winds up in the positive, okay, because if you cross and let's say you're fear-based and you think it's going to be a bad experience like you said – it, you might have that experience for a short time, but the minute that you realize that, ooh, no, I can change this, it instantly changes. Okay? So, so it's like, yeah. Uh, all, as, you're, as you're saying, it's like, so it's an experience of understanding how your belief systems, your thoughts are creating your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll give you one better. Not only, did you ever hear that spiritual phrase, as above, so below? Mm-hmm. Okay, how that interprets, and that was one of the biggest lessons given to me, was just as you have that ability on the other side to do that, you have that here in the power of creation and manifestation. Your beliefs create your reality here. Your beliefs create your reality there. So basically what that's why the other side is so close to us is because there really is no separation in that what we're doing here on this plane is striving to achieve that energy up there. And so it's almost like you can bring a little bit of heaven down here if you like. It's all on how you um, conduct yourself. It's all on, yeah, your beliefs. It's, it's how where you want to resonate. So to me, I think that's a very encouraging thing because mm-hmm. this is a tough mm-hmm. world right now. And we've been through a lot in the past two or three years. And I think a lot of times the whole point of dealing with spirit and, 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 and trying to get messages and all is to have that encouragement that we we do have people watching our backs and, and all. And I think that um, the other side, you know, like when people say, okay, is it scary to cross? Is it, you know, you know from what I've heard from spirit, um, when people, sometimes when people pass suddenly, let's say you are in a major accident and you're knocked out of your body very quickly, you will, there could be a sense of disorientation or confusion. Okay, I have had people on the other side talk to me saying, oh, I didn't even realize I had passed at first and I kind of saw what was going on and I was kind of, you know, but eventually you integrate very quickly. Okay, um, people that have, let's say, are ill for a while and they're on hospice or they're, they're you know, that kind of a thing, um, usually what happens is people start to come for them. They start to kind of get around. They kind of help that person integrate almost gradually, which is really nice, you know, so the person feels loved and supported. It's not as, you know. And then some people say it's as easy as walking from one room into another. So it really, actually, to be honest with you, being here is much harder than past. That's what they tell me all the time. So the more one has these conversations and the more we understand this mystery, the more 
we are all going to pass. We are all going to die. So that's a given, right? <laughs> so yeah, since yeah. that's an inevitability that that we all will be dealing with at some point in time, to be able to gain this knowledge and this understanding and this wisdom or perhaps even developing the abilities to connect with other dimensions would be a really good thing to do because it would help us when that time arrives and we are released from the physical and return back to the light, to the love, to the oneness. Uh, we, you know, we do it consciously, right? We do it consciously and with, um, and you might say, with a positive expectation. Yeah, exactly. You know, here, it's interesting. Here's like, um, well, as you were saying that, it made me think about, I've had some really amazing um, experiences with clients in the sense, let's say I have um, recently, well, actually it wasn't that long ago, I had a, a gentleman um, that came with his friend, okay, and they would come and they would talk to the friend's mom, and they both spoke um, Italian, and um, but they came and they sat down, and they seemed it was so funny. They seemed two gentlemen that really probably didn't believe in this much, but hey, they you know they give it a shot. They came here, we talked to the to the mom and different things. Now, about I'm going to say I don't know maybe a few months later, the one guy comes back with a young man. And I'm going, oh, where's the other guy? And they said, oh, he passed away. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And so what happened was the guy, the only, the guy's son comes and he wants to talk to his dad. And I'm going, wow, I am part of a continuum here. This is crazy cool where it's like I'm able to kind of, I have clients, yeah, that do pass. And then their sons or daughters or people come. And, and it, it's interesting because then it just ripples out. And then I might get another family member. But it's, it, it's really an honor to be part of, to see this progression of connectivity and support. And sometimes, I, I know that doesn't sound like a big, but it's like it really does boggle my mind sometimes going, okay, I read them, but then they told. And I had one person recently, um, it was a daughter, she said to me, my mom told me, if anything happened to me, to come to see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I was real by that you know because mm-hmm. i'm going wow you know and it's like so sometimes if you give people like you said the understanding and the knowledge that they can better cope with what's going on and their loss and with everything that can be very very overwhelming but if you if you give them the tools and give them and of course when people come to me, I always say to them too, yeah, I'm gonna interpret for you, I'm gonna but I also want you to ask them for signs, I want you to ask them for dreams. Like I try to get that person to be an active participant as well. Because hopefully, you know, the goal is someday that they'll be able to connect good enough they won't even need me. <laughs> yes, and, and, and helping people to um develop the that innate ability that we all have, but not necessarily focus on or, you know, or, or develop, right? So mm-hmm. give them the opportunity. Um, can you can you give us an experience or two of, you know, of one of these um, uh, sessions you've had that really was uh, validating all of this or, or inspirational? Do a couple pop out? Oh, your, sure awareness right 
that you can share with us. Yeah. I have, for the past few years, I have um, uh, a woman who, who contacts me to connect with her son who was killed in a vehicle. And I remember years ago, it was on Christmas time, the first time I read him, um, he said to her, one of the signs he was going to present to her, he said, um, two birds, two, no, he says, he goes, two birds on a branch. No, no, wait, no, uh, four birds. Yeah, yeah, that's it, four birds on a branch, okay? And I relayed this to her, and I said, I have no clue what that means. I think that's going to be something you're going to come across or whatever. So what she does is about three days later, she sends me a text. And in the text was a pic of a uh, a greeting card that had four birds on a branch. And one of them was a cardinal and these other birds. And, and I said, oh, wow, that was quick that you got that. Touch. She said, I don't know. She said, I opened up my kitchen cabinet, and, and I was looking for um, a recipe book or something. And she said, out flies this card. She says, I have no clue where this came from. Okay? Mm-hmm. So she sent a picture, and I said, oh, that's cool. Now, we're going to fast forward a year later, same time of year. Okay? Now, it's my birthday. My birthday is the day after Christmas. So I have my, my niece who's giving me um, a Christmas uh, birthday present, and she gave me the card. And I was like, I'm opening the card. And all of a sudden, I, I must have made her, say, I, I had a face on, and she's going, are you okay? You don't like it? What? I looked, it was the same card. The same <laughs> card. Okay? I'm stood there, and I was like, uh, okay, around the same time of year. And, of course, I contacted this mom, and I said, oh, yep, your son uh, sent me the same card. And, 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 and cardinals are always associated with um, uh, signs, okay? So now. Let's fast forward one more time. And I had a I had a, a mom and her son and a couple other people, at, you know, in my home office for a reading. And her son had been to Iraq, and he really had a lot of guilt about his friend's passing because um, his friend um, got killed in a minefield. And unfortunately, um, his friend felt that if he – he was supposed to do that that day, but he couldn't, so then his friend did that particular detail. Um, so anyway, so we, we talked to his friend, and it really went really, really well. And so anyway, she, she was really happy. She sent me a thank you card. The same card. Okay. <laughs> so now, you tell me. <laughs> After you all that, I'm, I picked up that card. I remember coming in. I got other Christmas cards. I opened it up. I, I remember dropping the card like it was hot, like it was on fire, going, oh, <laughs> you know. I have those cards are back-to-back in a frame in my office. And I will never just. <laughs> It blew me away. What are the odds? That's what I said to myself. I'm like, what are the odds? You know what billions of greeting cards are out there? And, and, and is it, no, so do you think, so was he, was he attempting to validate his existence to you? I think he was, oh, I think he was, yes, but I think he was also showing how everything's connected because the last card I got from that mom said, thank you so much for helping me and my son. And that's exactly what I was doing for him, helping him and his mom. And I think it's just one of those things where, yeah, he was showing me mm-hmm. on how there is no separation. It's all it's all connected and everything happens for a reason. There is this kind of thing that will make your head explode where it's like being these synchronicitous things where being in that right place at the right time. There is a divine orchestration. How that all happens, I couldn't even begin to tell you. But the odds of all that happening in that, I couldn't even, I, I, I like I said, I mean, if you really look at this, like, statistically, I, I couldn't even tell you the kabillion's the one that would be. But for me, 
I think it, it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away because I, I couldn't explain it. And even people I tell that to, they just look at me and then go, my biggest reaction is, okay, don't talk about it anymore. It's scary. <laughs> a lot of people look at me like, oh, that's really, you know. Um, yeah, I, I kind of freak out some people, I'll be honest with you. But, um, but that one sticks out a lot. That's, um, that's a biggie. And uh, I think I think the hardest thing is sometimes um, uh, another example is sometimes I will like watch the news. I try not to watch it too much because it affects me a lot. But sometimes I will see, let's say, a, a murder case, and I'll be drawn to it, just hold right to it, and I'll be caught up in it, even if I don't know the people, nothing like that. But um, I had a, an instance where I was drawn to something like that. Um, I had uh, some people come for a reading. We're doing a regular reading. Their family's coming through. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden it kind of takes a turn, and I start getting this woman coming through, and she's talking about stuff, and I'm going, oh, this is weird. I'm relaying it. And all of a sudden these people are looking at me like, oh, like, what do you, you know, and, and I'm thinking, oh, is this totally off base or whatever? But, no, it turns out that there was a, a, a famous murder case where uh, this gentleman murdered his wife and his two daughters. And... I got hooked into it, and sure enough, I'm doing this reading. Well, the people in New Jersey, this particular woman was killed in Colorado, but the people here that came, turns out that was their cousin. And she started coming through the reading. And I'm like, oh, God, where are we going now? Those are my those are my readings where I start going, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like we're kind of deviating. We're, we're talking to Grandma, we're having a good time. We're going to kind of go into what I call um, going down the rabbit hole, okay? Um, but I find that. There's a reason why I saw it on TV. There's a reason why I was pulled into it. There's a reason those people came to me. You know, so I mm -hmm. often get pulled into those scenarios, um, mm -hmm. and it's a little it's a little weird, but um, yeah, a lot of times I tell you, um, it makes my head explode. I admit that, but it's always <laughs> fascinating, and it's never boring. Well, you don't live in the world of the ordinary nine-to-five kind of work, so I'm sure it's never dull. Um, I have another question. Um, have, have you found that um, – okay, I have a belief system um, that we all choose the time of our death. And have you found that to be true when you're communicating with people who've had accidents, unexpected accidents, you know, suddenly find themselves, you know, on the other side. Um, do you, is that is yeah. there any validation from them that this is what the way they set it up to, to depart? You know, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I do – uh, I have connected with people that have brought up a little bit about their, like, their contract or their agenda as to why they came here. And part of that agenda, because people say to me all the time, like, especially with young people, why do they have to pass so young? Like, what, like, and a lot of times they will come through and say, no, it was my time. It was my time. So some, let's say they passed at 23. That was their time. And the best way I could say how they explained it to me was, yeah, like, sometimes, People say I'm gonna I'm gonna come into a lifetime I'm gonna hit the ground running I'm gonna have a lot of life experience and then I'm out of here. Okay, and so yes, I do think that some people when they do make their um, life contracted agenda, yeah, they they probably do come up with their exit point. I, I I agree. I also think though, if stuff happens in between, let's say you know they said okay this is my plan, but then there is a horrible accident or there's something like that where those are the people that have those 
you know, near-death experiences that say, oh, no, you know, it's not your time. You have to come back, right? So I think that there is um, – because there's that free will inherent in the system and, and, and there's also that um, ability for us to create, I don't think it's as structured as saying, okay, everybody has A, B, C, and D. That would be great because that would be like, I love structure because it's like you kind of know what to expect and it's kind of, you know, you know what to wrap your head around. Every time I think I get in, I have to be honest with you, with this with this work, and every time I think I get some type of definitive of whatever, whatever, they'll come back and say, accept this or accept, and I'll go, oh, duh. I was like, I, you know, I thought it was so close to getting definitive. Um, but I do think, yeah, I do think that that can be in the plan. But I do think that yes. there is variation. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would make sense. So, um, you know, we've, we're coming to the end of the show, Leslie, believe it or not. And um, such a fascinating conversation. We could probably do this for a lot longer. But I want to be sure that people know about the book that you've just written and your services. So let's talk a little bit about your services because there may be people, and I'm sure there will be people listening who are drawn to what you're doing or maybe curious uh, to have an experience. And fortunately, you can do this with anyone anywhere in the world. But talk a little bit about what services you offer people. Sure. Uh, yeah, I do private mediumship um, for for families or individuals. Um, I, can, I do them either by phone, FaceTime, or Zoom. Or if they're local to me, sure, you know, they by all means can come in person. Um, I do group mediumship, um, which is conducted gallery style which is uh, about an hour and a half, which is, uh, which means kind of we all sit together as a group, and I bring through healing messages to everyone that way. Um, I also work with the tarot. Uh, that's a tool that I use to help people with intuitive readings, uh, if they're working on, let's say, some uh, career stuff, relationship stuff, things like that. Um, I kind of – my readings are very constructive. They're very um, – I'm not the type of person. That's just going to, not like a fortune teller or anything like that, where I sit down and say, oh, you're going to do this, and da, 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 da. No, I want to really sit with people and kind of really look at what's going on. I can give you possible outcomes, most definitely, as to what's going on. But I always tell people, nothing's written in stone. You have the ability to change things. So I, I do do the tarot. I also do past life work, which is looking at past lives in the sense of how they're affecting you now, whether it's positive or negative, because I feel like knowledge is power. And so I do a lot of that. I also do paranormal investigating, um, uh, which is, you know, going to homes and stuff with people having some uh, uh, haunting experiences or things that are, you know, that they want to look into. Um, and that's about it. I, a little little bit of everything, I guess, in, in the spiritual world. And um, in the minute or so we have, how about um, talking about your new book? Um, the book, yeah. Um, they can hear you. Uh, the title was given to me by Spirit First, and then um, I had to <laughs> figure out the rest of it. And so it is basically, um, it's not very long. It's, 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 I, I wrote it to be, um, to have a little something for everybody. It's written how I speak, so it's kind of light. It's kind of fun. Um, there is a little bit of intense parts in there. Um, so it's kind of um, a mixed bag of knowledge, but it, it, it's also, uh, I Something it makes you think. It just makes you think. Um, that I wanted people to kind of maybe uh, get them to sort of think to go on their own journey, their own spiritual journey. Um, that book is available on my website, and I can ship that out anywhere. Um, 
and yeah, it was it was a a, a toughie for me because I well time wise because I'm usually pretty busy, but it is the first thing that I wrote. So uh, if anybody reads it, go easy on me. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. So um, Leslie's new book, her first cap off the rank, so to speak, is "They Can Hear You: How the Dead Taught Me to Live," and I have to say, I do love that title. And um, Leslie's website is Leslie, and that's Leslie with an I-E-L-E-S-L-I-E, Lagani, L-A-G-A-N-I.com. Leslie, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful work. You know, it might be fun to have you come back and talk about past lives a little bit so um, people can appreciate their journey (laughs) through time and space. And um, and. Yeah, you know, good luck with uh, the book and all the great work you're doing, all the great service you're offering to um, so many people around the world. Aw, thank you so much for having me and for the, giving me the ability to share everybody. I, I super appreciate it. Thank you. You're so welcome. And uh, thank you all for listening to another wonderful episode of The Love Code. Uh, I hope you'll be joining us every Saturday at 11 a.m. or you can go to my Facebook page, which is the title of my other show on Progressive Radio Network, which is called What Women Must Know. If you go to What Women Must Know, I post my uh, interviews there, my podcast shows there, or you can go to my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Selman, that's drcherylselman.com. And until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Thanks so much.